I want to continue on the series is growing up spiritually and the journey to humility. And obviously our key verse is found in Ephesians chapter 4. The whole book of Ephesians is really where I'm taking this message from. And the book of Ephesians, if I can start it this way, Paul starts the first couple of chapters with you and I, God's people, followers of Jesus, and he's saying, hey, this is your foundation in Christ. This is who you are. This is what you've got. And this is what God has done for you. And this is the foundation you're going to build your life on. So what a great strength. What a great strength to build into anybody's life is to find out that you have an incredible foundation that God has given. In other words, when you're going to build your life, you're not building on your own foundation. You're not building on the foundation of philosophy or science or some philosophy uh, that, that, that can be shaken and will be shaken. You're building your life on the eternal promises of God. What a sure foundation that can build your life on, amen? And, and things will be shaken, but God cannot be shaken. Why? Because He's unshakable. His kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. But every other kingdom can be shaken. And so many people, they pour their best part of their lives or all of their lives into something that can be shaken. It can be here one minute and it can be gone the next. We can enjoy the nations of the world. We can enjoy the buildings that go up and the buildings that come down. But I'm telling you now, at the end of the day, we've got to make decisions about building our lives on something that can never be shaken. And that's really the spirit of what I'm asking or talking about today is that we are willing to make a decision to build our lives on a sure foundation. Nothing wrong with the other things, but you've got to understand they're all subject to failure. If it goes up, it can come down. Economies are not 100% predictable. And we're facing still some of our biggest challenges in Europe when it comes to our debt. Too much private debt, way too much public debt. How do we know that we've got a better future for our children? You want to go into banking, the current climate that you go into, it's not going to help you to build the future. So you've got to change the way things are. And I believe that's the same with law. It's the same with science. It's the same with politics. You are not here just sitting here getting by. I've got nothing else to do on Sunday. Hurry up, shut up because I want to get to my currywurst. It's not like that. It's bigger than that. It's better than that. I'm here to be trained for kingdom living. I'm here to have my mindset changed for something bigger. See, God calls you big. So don't take what God says big and make it small. Amen? Big people can take small things and they can make them big. Thank God for our babies that come out small. And all the mums said. But don't ever look at a little tiny baby and say, you small, small, small little thing. No, they are small physically, but there's nothing but bigness on their lives. They got a big promise over their life. They got a big God over their life. They've got big love coming at them in Jesus' name. There's nothing small about a little baby except physically. It's got a big spirit potentially that's going to grow and grow. I just want you to understand that's what the house of God can do. It can help shift from unbelief to belief. Help shift us from doubters to believers. Help us shift from smallness to bigness. From religion to relationship. From an image to a person. 
I just believe that's what the house of God does and that's what we're doing today. And I want to take you on the journey. Ephesians gives us the foundation. Then he goes on, he says, practically, this is some of the things you need to work out. You've all found yourself now in God's house. Now, this is what a good marriage looks like. This is what a good husband looks like. This is what a good father looks like. This is what a good wife looks like, what a good kid looks like. It basically gives you relational um, perspective. Now you're in God's house. This is how you can behave relationally. And I feel like it still applies for the 21st century because we all come in from a diverse cultural background, but we've got to function in God's house with a spirit of honor and respect for each other. And the only thing that I can ask everyone is that we will put our cultural, you know, from wherever we've come from culturally, we'll put it second to the kingdom and the culture of the kingdom. In other words, what defines us is the kingdom culture, not our own national culture. And I want you to understand that it doesn't mean you have to get rid of your culture. It just means that it's subservient to kingdom culture. And I believe that's what's beautiful about God's kingdom. It's respectful, uplifts people. And then he gets on to the last part, which I want to try and highlight here. And this is really this thing I believe growing up spiritually is something we all need to understand. He said, now you know all of this. Now you know your calling. Now you're starting to figure out there's some better ways to do relationships. If you've been doing it wrong, you can do it better. If you didn't know, now you do know. But then he goes on, and this is his conclusion. Ephesians chapter 6, he says, now put on the full armor of God because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. So let me read from a different translation. I love this translation. It says this, Be strong with the Lord's strength. Be strong not in your own strength, but with the Lord's strength. Put on the things God gives you to fight with. Then you will not fall into the traps of the devil, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren. Our fight is not with people. It is against the rulers and the spiritual powers of darkness in this world. It is against the demonic world that works in the heavens. Because of this, put on the full armor of God. Because there is a spiritual battle, because there is an enemy to your soul, an enemy to the things of God, you've got to put on the full armor of God that He provides. Then you will be able to stand and when it's all over, you will still be standing. See, the goal is that you're still standing. You're still around in 10 years. You're still around in 50 years. You're still in love with Jesus as much when you're 80 years old is what you are right now. I'm 50. I'm literally 51 next week. I'll be celebrating my birthday next Saturday in Uganda on a plane, flying through the night to come back here in Jesus' name on Sunday. So I'll be 51 in Uganda. And, uh, but I'll tell you straight up, I'm in love with, I'm, I'm fired up for Jesus like I was the day I got saved. Hopefully more than ever in Jesus' name. I, I, and I've had, I've had twists and turns. I've had ups and downs. I've had low moments. I haven't had many, but I've had enough to really see God's faithfulness in their moments. And so I want you to understand, there's no easy, fast track shortcuts for anybody in the room. So I'm appealing to this desire in you to say, you know what? I don't want to go the shortcut way. I want to be around. I want to stay around. So you're going to put the armor on. You're going to keep it on. And he says this, stand so you can, so stand up and do not be moved. Wear a belt of truth around your body. It holds everything together. It's truth, God's truth that holds it all together. Wear a breastplate over your chest, which is being righteous before God. Wear shoes on your feet, which are the good news of peace. So wherever you go, you're going to bring the good news and the gospel and the spirit of peace in Jesus' name. Peacemakers, peace carriers, peace builders, 
in Jesus' name, peace declarers. Most important of all, you will need to use a shield of faith in front of you, protecting you as you advance. Protecting you as you advance. This is to put out the fiery arrows of the enemy. The covering of your head is that you will have been saved from the power and the punishment of sin. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You must pray at all times as the Holy Spirit leads you to pray. Continue to pray for the things that are needed. Now, what I want you to understand, uh, this is what I love here. Ephesians 6, it says this in a different translation. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which can help you to extinguish all the flaming darts of your enemy. So here we have the armor of God. And, but this is what I want you to understand is, is God has provided a shield of faith. And every part of the armor is needed. So what does the shield of faith look like at work? Do you literally get given a shield on the way out? If you want to go to an IMAX or a 3D movie, they give you glasses when you come in. Well, are we literally going to give you a shield of faith when you leave? Well, if I believed it help, I would do it. Well, these are spiritual things. These are spiritual things. And so this is what I want to share about the shield of faith. It protects you. It will protect you. And Paul uses a Roman soldier, obviously, and he's obviously a reference to God's own armor in Isaiah, but this is what the shield of, it, it protects you. There is no point in having the armor on if you don't use the shield. In other words, you're a believer, but there's not an ounce of faith in you. Or, or, or you got the armor by faith, but that's it. You haven't continued using your faith. And this is the whole idea about this. Most importantly, put on and use the shield of faith in front of you, protecting you as you advance. You're going to need faith to advance. You're going to need faith to advance. So there's no point putting the armor on if you're not going to use your shield. In other words, there's no point in using faith to become a believer and then stop using faith. You have a shield, so use it. You have access to faith. Access it. Use it. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we forget these things. And faith is needed in every part of the journey. Let me say it again. Faith is needed in every part of the journey. So be a faith man. Be a faith woman. So what are some of the things the Bible teaches about faith? Let me give you this. We are right with God by faith. If Galatians 3 verse 11, it is clear that no one can ever win God's favor by trying to keep the Jewish laws. Because God has said that the only way we can be right in His sight is by faith faith. As the prophet Habakkuk said, the person who finds life will find it through trusting God. We walk by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. What does that mean? It means that if you want to walk by just simply what you see, you're going to be limited to what God wants to do in Jesus' name. If I, if I, believe God for this church according to just what I see, I'm going to be limited. But I got to use my faith. I got to believe God to trust God in Jesus' name. So what am I trying to say? I'm going to go to His Word for faith because God says to me, hey, there was a man uh, who released the donkey. Remember the story where Jesus says, go over there and release a donkey. It's never been ridden. It's never been used. Untie the colt. Bring it to me because I need it. And if the owner says, this is thus, 
Max, Max, du! Say to the owner, the Lord needs it. Notice what it doesn't say. Tell the Lord to get his own donkey. Where do you get faith from that? Because I felt God just prompt my heart and say, I've got people in this city who own things and, they wanna, and they're happy to release them for the things of God. I got faith for the donkeys to be released. It's a metaphor for all the translation people. I got faith for the buildings to be released. I got faith for the things that we need for salvation to be released. In Jesus' name. Centurion has a servant that he loves dearly, is sick and close to dying. And the Jewish leaders go and get Jesus. And they say, you need to come and heal this man's servant. Why? Because he has done so much good for us as a Jewish community. He has built us a synagogue and our local community has benefited because of this man's kindness. Who's the man? A centurion. Who's a centurion? He literally is a leader of a hundred trained killers. He is a man who represents all of the authority of Rome. He is there by force, not through diplomacy and uh, what we call today democratic process. He is not an elected official. He is appointed by Caesar to dominate and advance the interests at any cost of Rome. And most of these guys were hostile and that's why the Jews hated them. But in this story, this kind centurion built a synagogue and literally helped people in the neighbourhood to do better with their lives. He didn't oppose them. He didn't persecute them. He actually invested into their well-being. And the Jewish leaders went to Jesus and said, you need to help this man because he has done something. What are you getting from that? I get faith for that. They're in the Berlin that God has got people that have a heart towards Him and they're not there to stop the church. They're there to do whatever they can to help the people of God. Let faith arise in Jesus' Name. If this happened in this land, it can happen in this land. You get your faith from the Word. You get your faith in the newspapers. You don't get your faith in politics. You get your faith from the Word. And if God can show me in the Word that there are people that will release donkeys, there are people that will build buildings, there are people that will look after God's people, I'm telling you, let faith arise. He can use anyone and He can use anything. I want to go to university. I know people who don't love God, who pay for God's kids to go to university. Why? Because they just have a desire to help. Does every child of God pay for someone to go to colour? No, sometimes it's a non-believing auntie that pays the bill. Sometimes it's an unbelieving father that pays the bill. Sometimes it's an unbelieving boss that pays for you to move forward serving God. That's called releasing the donkey. Not everyone is anti-God, but not everyone sees God the way you see God. And so we've got to let faith arise. And so faith is by, faith is, is not just what you see naturally, it's what you believe God can do. 
Faith comes by hearing, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing the good news. Faith comes from hearing the good news. Proclaim the good news. Why? Because faith can't come unless the good news, what's the good news? You're right with God. What's the good news? You get what you don't deserve. What's the good news? You should be punished, but Jesus was punished so that you could be delivered. What's the good news? Heaven's on your side. What's the good news? You're a son of God. What's the good news? You are made in the image of God. What is the good news? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has got nothing but good news for you. It's done in Jesus' name. So the faith comes by hearing the good news. If you want to build your faith, start feeding on some good news. You want to build your faith? Start feeding on some good news. Something good is going to happen to me. But faith needs to grow. So you need to hear the good news. Faith comes. Faith makes it real. Hebrews 11 verses 1 to 3. Faith is what makes real the things we hope for. Faith is what makes real the things we hope for. It is proof of what we cannot see. God was pleased with the people who lived long time ago because they had faith like this. Faith helps us understand that that God created the whole world by His command. Faith pleases God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, no one can please God. No one can please God. Without faith, no one can please God. Faith is His language. Faith is what activates God. Faith is what gets His attention. If it said doubt would activate God, then I don't know. It would have said it, but it doesn't say doubts activate God. It says faith activates God in Jesus' name. Whoever comes to God must believe that He is real and that He rewards those who sincerely tried to find Him. Faith and grace work together. Ephesians chapter 2, I mean that you have been saved by grace because you believed and put your faith in Christ. You did not save yourselves. It was a gift from God. You are not saved by the things that you have done. So there will be nothing you can use to justify yourselves or boast about. God has made us what we are, a masterpiece in Christ Jesus. God made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing the good things He has already planned for us to do. For us to do. For us to do. A woman healed by faith. A man restored by faith. A child rescued by faith. Abel offered a better sacrifice to God because he had faith. Noah stood out because he believed God and had faith. Abraham obeyed God and started traveling because he had faith. Sarah was not able to have children and Abraham was too old, but he had faith in God, trusting Him to do what He promised. Moses chose to leave the wealth and the splendour of Egypt to suffer with God's people. He did this because he had faith. God's people all walked through the Red Sea. If though it was dry land, they were able to do this because they had faith. The walls of Jericho fell because of the faith of God's People, we're going to build this church by faith. You're going to see better days by faith. Salvation comes by faith. Progress is going to continue by faith. Faith is the substance 
that makes the things that you hope for real. Go to God in faith. Don't let anyone steal your faith. What is the capacity to have faith? It's your trust capacity. The more you know God, the more you can trust Him. So what is this all about? A beautiful relationship with God. And what does Jesus do? He paints a better picture of God than anyone else. He lets you know you can trust your Heavenly Father for your health, for your well-being, for your children, for your marriage, for your jobs, for your careers, for your business. It may look doomy today, but it looks better with God. It may look like it's coming to an end, but that's the beginning of a new, new chapter in Jesus' Name. Maybe you've had setbacks but God turns setbacks into great, great comebacks. He's the God of the new. It's a new beginning, a new season, a new month, a new year, a new relationship, a new spirit.